ever wondered what hypnosis might be and what it can do for you? You've come to the right place. Welcome to Hypnosis Everywhere with your host, Inez Simpson. This is the show that talks to everyone from the experienced practitioner to the cautiously curious and yes, even the skeptics. Now, here's Inez Simpson. Hello and welcome to Hypnosis Everywhere and this is your host Inez Simpson and my sidekick Martin Govers here and we're very happy to welcome Stephen Blake to the airwaves today and he's going to join us right away. Welcome Stephen. Hello there, how are you? Oh, great. I was just wondering maybe you could give us a small quick bio and then we'll get into the meat of the, the program. Okay, uh, yeah, I've always wanted to do uh, hypnotherapy and uh, fetched a book out of the library when I was seven, a mile there and back, well, a mile there and, and a mile back. I went on my own and, and got this book out and, and it's sort of been a passion of mine ever since. And I actually retrained, uh, or trained seven years ago only. Um, meant to do it all through my life and, and things got in the way. Um, but it's, it's the right time of life to do it, and I love doing it. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, I, I trained seven years ago, and I turned off the pain to my own back, and I've been pain-free ever since. So this has been a passion for me to develop this particular method. Well, it seems to be very good from my point of view because, you know, I mean, I even took your course a little while ago just because I thought it was very good. So, uh, but I think you have a great skill and I think your skill is more about discerning how to probe people and get the right thing for them to shift their mind before you even get them to do the the meat of the, uh, of the business. Am I getting that right? You are, yes. A lot of people have seen uh, videos of uh, me and work doing things and they presume they know how to do it because they've seen, uh, in particular, the three leaning yeses and they think that's what the technique is and it's not. It's uh, a lot more complex than that. Um, uh, it's, it's that nice structure of dealing with the cause because there's it's very rare in life that we, when we're ill or whatever, that the cause gets dealt with. The symptoms usually get dealt with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even doctors seem to get hung up on symptoms and getting rid of the symptoms rather than saying, why do you have that problem? And uh, so this method looks at the cause. What's, why have they got pain in the first place and why are they holding on to it? And, it, and it's all about that. It's about releasing them from that. Uh, and it came from my original work with working with lots of people with anxiety and dealing with that, uh, typically in one session. So I had to get very good very quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. You know, I sort of come from a regression to cause background, so um, that makes total sense to me that the cause needs to be addressed and that <clears throat> after that, the, the clearing needs to happen. So uh, I think this is a very good system. So I think now that you're doing this, you're teaching everyone all over the world now. So everyone all over the world is listening to you. But we're also just talking to the regular Joe out there who's maybe just interested in hypnosis. Or Jane, sorry. (laughs) So, so, So I'd like maybe just sort of address uh, to the regular person how you perceive hypnosis because every 
uh, every guest I have on has a slightly different look at hypnosis. And it's good. I want, you know, the population to know that hypnosis isn't just one thing. Okay, brilliant. I, I think we're, we're at opposite ends of the spectrum. You, you are like really deep hypnosis, and um, I go for the other end where trance isn't even necessary. Um, so I, I, I got into this loving hypnosis, and I love what it does, um, but I did realize that for, um, for, the, for the public as well that um, some people are scared of hypnosis. It seems to be this control thing. Either people have seen films where the baddie's always a, uh, you know, sorry, the hypnotist is always a baddie, and they've seen stage shows where people make you do things you don't want to do or they appear to, um, and so people have a misconception. And, and even those actually having hypnosis, if it doesn't match what they think they're going to have. Even though it works, they come out of it saying, well, I don't think it worked because I heard every word they said. There's a total misconception of what it is uh, and that you go into a zombified state or whatever. And, of course, we can't tell people what they'll feel when they go into hypnosis because it's an individual thing for them. But we, we can say that you will be wide awake and alert uh, to hear every word we say. This is not a sometimes people say afterwards, well, it can't have worked because I heard every word they say. Uh, and that's simply not true. Uh, and hypnosis is typically, typically to uh, move the consciousness out of the way so it doesn't interfere, so that you can talk directly to the unconscious. And uh, the, the way I do it is it brings in the conscious to talk to the unconscious. So this is the person actually working on themselves. Uh, and there's a beauty in this is that we don't have the barrier there that we often get as hypnotherapists, where people go, oh, I think you're going in my head and you're parking my consciousness and, oh, I'm all vulnerable and because you're going to go in and do whatever you want. Uh, and that's not the reality of it, but that's how they feel it will be. Um, so when I get people to work on themselves, that, that particular issue is knocked out of the way. They're just nicely and softly and, and safely working on themselves with my help and support. So it, it stops being the pressure on me to get a result. It's more on the pressure on me just to find out what's happening between the two sides. It's almost like marriage guidance between the conscious and unconscious mind. Uh, and uh, if you've ever dealt with a couple, usually the couple are very much in love, and the woman will say, well, he doesn't uh, show, uh, he didn't tell me he loves me, and the man will say, she doesn't show me she loves me, and they both love each other, uh, but they're just expressing it in different ways, and even though they know the person deals with love in a different way, they want it shown in the way they want it showing instead of accepting just the difference. Um, and so it's really going back in and just coordinating between the two, almost a negotiator and translator even, uh, and, and feeding back what I believe the unconscious is telling them for their conscious mind to make a conscious decision on it, because uh, we always have decisions. So, so that's my take on it. It, it was just really, I, I found from... Initial clients when I first trained as a hypnotherapist that 
Um, we got into too much of a conversation about hypnosis rather than doing the work. Or we spent too long preparing them for hypnosis. Um, so my, if I still do hypnosis and I want to transfer to somebody, typically I just ask them to close their eyes. And that's it. I, I carry on talking and I take them into it and I bring them out of it. And I carry on talking and they don't even know they've been in trance. Yep. And, you know, um, this is what I the program's about. I keep telling people that hypnosis is everywhere. It's everything. They do it every day. It's like breathing. So, really, as soon as they close their eyes and they're focused inside, they are in, a, in hypnosis. And that can do that at home by themselves and stick their eyes closed and they'd yeah. be in hypnosis. Because hypnosis is everything. It's just to do with the mind and it's just a state. So Yeah, this is why I don't think uh, suggestibility tests, I, I'm not keen on them because a suggestibility test says that some people are very good at going into hypnosis and, and that's simply not true. I think the only thing that people aren't good at is maybe having the skill to get each person to do it the right way for them. Um, yeah, and I, I don't, it, it's not technical, it's not difficult to get somebody into trance. Um, I mean, typically, everybody out there that watches TV, you go into trance when you watch TV. Because you watch the screen, when you first look at it, it's a screen on the wall with a picture on it. But within seconds, you're into the actual plot of the film or whatever showing. And if somebody comes in the room and speaks to you, you become aware of the room again. And then you go back into the TV again. Uh, and you go in and out of it at will. And, and yeah. we don't even realize we're doing that. And we do that with everything. We're in trance while we're driving. We're not aware of using the clutch or the accelerator or whatever. We just steer down the road and, and go where we're going. And most of life is in a trance. Yeah. With the unconscious working as <laughs> Yeah, and we always say lots of times it's dehypnotizing someone from the trance they've created for themselves, right? Yes. The, 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 this, this goes to my theory of sort of when the client comes with a problem, they're presenting a program that they run, and they're showing you that program and saying, I don't want this program anymore. <laughs> um, now, usually it's had a good uh, reason for starting up in the first place. Sometimes it's a habit they want to break. And if it's a habit they want to break, then they've convinced themselves uh, by repetition that they want to do this. Uh, and even terrible things that we do, like drinking or smoking, the first time you have a drink or cigarette, it tastes awful. And we persevere with it until we actually pretend we'd like it. And then we carry on with it. And then when we want to give it up, we've given our unconscious mind so many excuses about how it doesn't harm us and how we'll get grumpy if we give it up or we get fat or whatever. We've given our unconscious so many lies to keep it going that when we finally go, oh, I'm going to give up, the unconscious goes, but you like it, and it joins in helping you keep the habit. <laughs> um, and all we're doing is we're taking somebody's program and we're saying, well, if you don't want this anymore, let's make it adjusted to how you live now. So we might delete it, we might reset it, we might just change it or tweak it a bit. 
Uh, and that change, it can make a major change in their life, because usually somebody's coming along with something that really bothers them, or else they, or else they wouldn't come to us. And um, if you think about the unconscious and all the programs it runs, this is probably the only thing that it's going wrong. So it must have been right at some time, because the unconscious is making hundreds of thousands of decisions every minute, it runs your heart and your lungs and everything, your posture, even me waving my hand about now is like, why am I doing that, Stephen? Well, your unconscious thinks it's a very good thing to do at the moment. <laughs> um, it runs everything for you. So um, all we have to do with a conscious mind is make decisions and off it trots and fetches and things. What a wonderful thing to have. <laughs> We don't talk often enough about the unconscious and, and its skills and abilities. Okay. We're going to break in about a minute, so you want to just round up what you want to finish off with on this segment, and we'll move on. Right. Um, so really, it's about somebody presenting a program. Uh, they want to get rid of it. We want to help them get rid of it. The more they want to get rid of it, the easier it is for us to help them get rid of it. And we're passing that back over to the unconscious to say, this is their will now. When they installed it, it was their will to install it. Now it's their will to have it uninstalled. That's very good. (laughs) That's great. So we'll just go to break now and we'll see you on the other side. We know lasers are in use in almost every aspect of the medical profession these days. Now there's a powerful, unique, and safe laser you can use at home. Quantum scalar wave lasers using Tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best, heal itself. Scalar wave lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The quantum lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Hi, Inez Simpson here. I get a lot of questions about the best way to learn hypnosis. My advice after many years of being a hypnotist and training hypnotists is get your first training live. Getting class with a qualified trainer, practicing in class gives you so much confidence and practicing is the key. I teach live hypnosis and advanced hypnosis training throughout the year and you can check my website at inezsimpson.com and feel free to email me if you need recommendations. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. You're listening to Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol. To reach the show today, please call into 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Inez. That's I-N-E-S at InezSimpson.com. Now, back to this week's program.
Welcome back to Hypnosis Everywhere, and this is Inez Simpson. And we're going to welcome back Stephen Blake, and we're going to get into how he developed Old Pain to Go. So, Stephen, give us a little chat about that. Okay, so seven years I trained. Uh, seven years ago, I trained as an NLP master practitioner, and part of the training course was the hypnosis. And uh, an NLP technique called the six-step reframe or N-step has been called different things. Um, I found it and used it, and I found quite a few things that I didn't like about it. Uh, it didn't work on uh, all the time on everybody. It um, took away something from you but replaced it with three smaller things, which I found crazy. Um, but the thing I did like about it was it, it made an assumption that the thing was of value in the first place. This program must have been of value, whatever it was. It did something to get you out of something, or it did something to force you into doing something. Uh, so... I, I took it apart, rebuilt it, and started playing with it. And really, I didn't use it as a therapeutic thing, so I didn't charge anything for it. It was like a party trick. Um, what better party trick than can you have than you go along and there's somebody there in pain and they leave without it? Um, you know, it's, it's just wonderful to have. And then um, I've worked for people for seven years on uh, anxiety work. Probably helped about 4,000 people, typically in one session. And uh, that could be a session of any duration from two or three hours to up to eight hours. Uh, so I did a fixed price fee for it. And I got very good at that. And then one day I realized that the neural pathways for physical pain and emotional pain are identical. They're the same things. The moment I realized that, I realized I was way in to help people with lots of different issues. And um, the first client I ever had as a hypnotherapist, she actually came for something that I did before that, and she wasn't really a client for it. And she came for some diet products, and she had an ME. And I talked to her about her problem with it, and she told me she only worked two hours a week, but it sometimes took all week to cover those two hours. And um, I said, well, I wonder if I can help you with that. When you come back in two weeks' time, I'll research and see if I can help you. And I did two weeks' research on ME, uh, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome. And at first, it seemed like I'm never going to get anywhere with this. Oh, my God, what have I taken on? And then by the time she came a fortnight later, I'd worked out why it was that the brain shut people down and gave them pain. I went through a simple process with her. I, I quizzed her for a few minutes and told her how I thought her mind worked. She agreed with absolutely everything I said. And then I did 20 minutes hypnosis with her and she started recovering from that day onwards. Uh, she has a fantastic life now. She was a party girl for making up for years of not doing anything. <laughs> Um, and but from there, I just went on to help people with fibromyalgia, CFS, and then obviously all the other chronic illnesses that there are, uh, things like arthritis and so on. Um, but I always kept coming back to fibromyalgia and things because it, it's such an horrendous illness to have. Um, and, and once I worked out how it worked, 
And, and this was the difficulty then in trying to get people to understand. I, I had the answer to it. Because it isn't a cure, it's an answer. It's a way of stopping people from needing that pain and that fatigue. Uh, and so I, I just developed this thing. And typically, I can do it within about three hours. Um, but I often, when I train people, I bring in somebody alive, somebody I've never met before, typically with uh, fibromyalgia, and I sit them in front of a group, and I work on them. And I don't know if I can help that person in that moment. You know, and I could fall flat on my face. Um, and it seems a brave thing to do, but it's better than this sort of, here's a video of somebody I worked on once, and it was successful. And um, so I bring somebody on, and I literally remove the fibromyalgia, and it takes me about an hour. Uh, and I do it in front of five or six people. And these people continue to be free of it, um, I can't say they'll always be free of it because you can put the people on the path to recovery, but you can't keep them on it. I can tell them how they can stay on it. I can help them deal with it. But it's, it's one of these things where when I do the process, it is instant. That person leaves with no pain whatsoever. And I did have the good fortune to be allowed to video a woman who uh, let me have it for training purposes. And she had had fibromyalgia for 30 years, and she left totally pain-free. When, um, although she didn't go into trance, I didn't get people with her eyes closed and bring them back into the room when I finished. And as she came back into the room, she kept repeating, you don't know what this means to me. She cried, she laughed, but she kept saying, you don't know what this means to me. And then at one point she said, because I've tried to take my own life three times because of this. And I and everybody in the room cried. And it's, if I'd only ever worked on one person in my life, that would have made it worthwhile to see this woman change in front of me. And the difference it would make to her life was just absolutely amazing. But this is something that you can repeat over and over and over again. And this is not my skill. This, this is what anybody can do. And the strange thing is, I can teach people this in one day. And they can have that skill without any background in therapy or anything. Because it's, it's so simplistic in its method and its understanding of how people work that it just works beautifully. And, it, and it's, it's such a lovely thing to see and observe. And, and although I don't make miracles, I see lots of them. Because people, uh, people remove that nocebo effect that we'll probably need to explain to people. But they've got a nocebo effect that they think something will harm them, so it harms them, and I remove that from them. If you want to come in on that. Yes. Do you want to explain to the population out there what the difference between a placebo effect and a nocebo effect would be? Yes, thank you. Yeah, uh, placebo, most people would have heard of it, but not of a full understanding of it. It's simply, I believe this will help me, therefore it does. Uh, even the fact that you get uh, somebody paying your attention to put you on a trial to say, well, this should, could be a sugar-coated tablet, or it could be the absolute answer to your problem, um, that's enough to improve somebody's health. 
Um, so it's called the placebo effect. And when they test drugs, they have to compare it with the placebo effect of not having a real drug, and you might get better anyway. And it can be 20 to 40%. And apparently the more handsome the doctor is, the, the better it works, or the better looking the tablet is, or if it's got little red flecks in it, it's even better. And that's the placebo effect. Now, the opposite is a nocebo effect. And so the nocebo effect is, I think this will harm me. Therefore it does. And this is where people get too, um, too uptight about things that can harm them. So people will say something like, oh, Wi-Fi signals, they kill you in the night. So I turn my Wi-Fi off every night and I can't have it. There are so many radio waves going through us every second <laughs> that cause no harm. And it might be that there can be some slight harm from it. But you see, if we exaggerate what it's doing to us, we exaggerate how the body reacts to it. And something simple like hay fever and pollen, hay fever uh, can be eliminated without pain to go. You, you can talk to somebody and you can talk them out of hay fever by simply saying that pollen is an allergen for only some people. And if it's not an allergen for other people, it's not an allergen. It's just your reaction to the pollen. And once you get the unconscious to say, or you say to the unconscious, stop overreacting to pollen. It's not that bad. He turns off the hay fever. And this is the crazy thing. I've done this and turned off uh, people's hay fever. And all the sinuses in that clear in an instant. And I actually did this on a doctor while I was doing some other work on it. And I said, oh, I'll do the hay fever later. But her unconscious went, well, I might as well throw that in while he's doing the other stuff. And so when I brought her back into the room, her hay fever had gone. And she was more concerned with that than losing 20 years of pain that she'd been in. Because she kept poking about and saying, oh, where's all the fluids and everything gone? Because I haven't sniffed and I haven't swallowed, so where's it all gone? And she had five minutes of doing that, and then she realised her arthritis had gone in her fingers because she couldn't normally prod her face like that. <laughs> 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 Although what I work on is really serious, it's also so much fun. Because you just see people changing and, and sort of, they either burst into tears or they burst into laughter. Uh, and it's just great to observe. It is, it's really lovely. It's very lovely. I mean, what, how can you have any better job than what we do? I mean, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, so, I couldn't dream of anything better than this. And if anybody ever writes in Facebook or something, I got the best job in the world. I go, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, so old paint go. Your method works on just about anything, right? Just anything, pretty much. Yeah, it, it's um, it's mainly chronic pain, and hence it's called being old pain to go. Um, but it is mainly about complete removal of it, which is most of the time. Uh, I did some recent tests, and it was like uh, from 115 clients, most of whom who worked on somebody who just trained, 78% of them left pain-free. And there's a 92% reduction in the pain in everybody. And they're massive figures from a fifth of those I would have done, the four-fifths of those would have been somebody who trained 10 minutes before the person walked into the room. 
literally, they, I, I marched them in when they finished, and this is somebody they've never met, they've never seen before, and they, they have to do what I just trained them to do, and they have a script as well, so they can fall back on, oh, I forgot what I'm doing now, I'll read a script. Um, but it works. It's just such a valuable proof to everybody. Okay, so I think we're going to go to break again, believe it or not. It goes fast, and we're just going to go to break and just continue on the other side. We know lasers are in use in almost every aspect of the medical profession these days. Now there's a powerful, unique, and safe laser you can use at home. Quantum scalar wave lasers using Tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best, heal itself. Scalar wave lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The quantum lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Hi, Inez Simpson here. I get a lot of questions about the best way to learn hypnosis. My advice after many years of being a hypnotist and training hypnotists is get your first training live. Getting class with a qualified trainer, practicing in class gives you so much confidence, and practicing is the key. I teach live hypnosis and advanced hypnosis training throughout the year, and you can check my website at inessimpson.com and feel free to email me if you need recommendations. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. You're listening to Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol. To reach the show today, please call into 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Inez. That's I-N-E-S at InezSimpson.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hello and welcome back to Hypnosis Everywhere and we're with Stephen Blake and we're just going to go right back into the show. So Stephen, just keep going from wherever we left off. Thank you. <laughs> this is the easy part okay. for me. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> well, well, first of all, I explained old pain to go. So this is old pain as in chronic pain. We didn't want to call it chronic pain to go. But it just means <laughs> that you've been diagnosed with it. So as long as the doctor has said, you know, here's what it is, there's nothing more we can do with it, or here's some painkillers, or you'll have this for the rest of your life, nothing we can do, or we can't find what the problem is, as soon as the doctor said that, then it's suitable for all pain to go. Because we're, we're not qualified to diagnose or do anything like that. So we can work on anybody who's got old pain that they don't want anymore. And, and they don't have to consider the fact that, well, I've got this ongoing illness like arthritis or whatever, or a crumbling spine, therefore I need to keep hold of this pain because, you know, I've got a problem, so I need the pain. 
Well, you actually don't. That's what we talk people out of, is the fact that you don't need to hold on to the pain. Pain is just a message. It comes along in the first place and says, here's a problem. You know, you've broken your leg, don't step on it because it'll hurt. Um, so it decide, your, your unconscious decides on the level of pain to send to the area that's hurt. Pain is made in the brain. It's not made in the part that feels the pain. So the bit that feels the pain says there's a problem here. It reports to the brain. The brain sends the message down of pain to prevent you from doing more damage or to prevent you having damage in the first place. And so that's new pain. And that's a good idea. Pain doesn't sound wonderful, but pain is a survival technique of saying you've got something wrong here, you need to do something about it. And of course, the more you need to do about it, the more pain it gives you. So if you get a slight cut, you don't really fuss about it. You just go and wash your finger under the tap and get a plaster on it. But if you break your arm, you can't think of anything other than going to the hospital and having it mended. So pain is relevant to what it wants you to do. And that's just a message. So when the message has been passed over and the doctors diagnose you, you don't need the pain anymore. You know what it is. You know, something like a crumbling spine, for instance, you'll have regular checkups, you'll have regular x-rays. Now, if something else goes wrong in that area, the next spine down crumbles, if you keep the pain from the other two, when the next one goes, you'll still be in pain, so how would you know the next one's damaged until the pain level from it gets more than the existing two pains? So you don't actually know. So old pain masks new pain. We have to get rid of old pain. It's safer than keeping it. And yet everybody thinks, I've got this illness, it's a continuing illness, therefore I have to keep the pain. You don't have to. So if I can go back to the why people keep it, it, it is this nocebo effect of what they think the unconscious provides. And the unconscious doesn't understand negative uh, commands. So if you say something on a headlock, oh, I don't want to be in pain, I don't want a panic attack, I don't want, it doesn't hear the I don't yeah. want it. That's the most yeah. important any, anybody could think, anybody could learn. It's not to keep asking for things you don't want. You wouldn't do it in a restaurant. <laughs> what would you like, sir? Well, I don't want the cheese starter. I don't want the meat pie. And I don't want the pudding. Thank you very much. And what would you I think I had a few people like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and we typically, as therapists, get people and we say, what do you want? And they say, I don't want to have this anxiety. I don't want this pie. <laughs> So the brain doesn't work in that way. It works on what you ask for. It fetches for you. And it's quite prepared to hurt you if it it saves you from a worse hurt. So there's a lovely story of a woman I worked on. uh, She had a lot of pain. She had fibromyalgia. She was 76 years old. And uh, we got a free of fibromyalgia, free of all sorts of pain. And then she said before she was going, I don't know why I'm telling you this, Stephen, but I'm going blind. And she said, I have to have injections in this eye, and they're really painful. I think that's why she told me about it. And as she told me, I noticed that there was no sadness in her eyes at the fact that she was going blind. 
And this made me curious. So I said, how long have you been going blind? And she said, for three years now. And she looked sad when she said, for three years now. So I said, just a minute, um, this isn't matching with me. So what happened three years ago, you can't bear to see. And she, and she cried for several minutes and she said, my husband's got dementia. I cannot bear to see him suffer. And her unconscious had listened to her on a regular basis saying, I can't bear to see this. And it thought it would hurt her less to go blind than to see her husband suffer because she loved him that much. And I mentioned this to her and she recognized it and she said, oh my goodness me, I started going deaf at the same time. So I said, oh, you can't bear to see it and you can't bear to hear about it. And your unconscious thinks it will remove your sight and your hearing, and that'll be better than watching him suffer. And I spoke to her unconscious, and we got this sort of agreement between us that, no, that isn't what she wanted. And I said, so are you prepared to stop what you're doing, and if possible, reverse it? And I spoke to a daughter recently, this was over a year ago, and it, it stopped, uh, stopped deteriorating. So do I. So this isn't something I've done to her. This is something she'd done to herself. And now she's let go of the need for that. So sometimes you have to help people with that. Um, these stories are very valuable. The, I mentioned that emotional pain and physical pain are the same thing, the same neural pathways. Uh, I met a, a, a woman in her 40s, and she had terrible back pain. Uh, two out of ten pain when she sat down, about eight out of ten when she stood up. And I got her to move to another chair, and it took her two minutes to get from one chair to the next. Obviously in agony. And she had this problem for nine months. She had an x-ray scan, she had doctors look at her, nothing wrong with you. And I said, well, what happened around that time then? And she said, nothing much really. I said, anything traumatic? And she couldn't think of anything. So I prompted her with, did anything like, did you change jobs? Did you lose a loved one? And she said, both of those. And I went, oh my goodness me. So she said, 10 months ago, I was a school teacher and I retired. Well, that tells me she has a busy mind and was always occupied. And nine months ago, my brother was killed abroad. And she didn't go into it, but it didn't sound like an accident. So there's all this sort of injustice. There's the dealing with the police. There's the loss of a brother. She's having to tell her parents that she's an only child now. A lot of trauma. And she can't cope with it. So her unconscious switches from what she can't cope with to give a physical pain that she can deal with, even though it feels horrible. And also, every time she moves, it hurts, so it keeps taking her mind off her brother. So I spoke to her about dealing with grief in a different way, which uh, hypnotherapists can help you with. And I dealt with that, and I said, look, it's nine months on now, it's not quite as raw. If you can deal with that with my help, are, we, are you willing to lose holding on to this pain because of the loss of your brother? And she said yes. And within five minutes, she was absolutely pain-free. Yeah. So there's always a reason that people are holding on to pain because we, we don't need to hold on to it. 
and if somebody's still got pain years after they've been injured, it's because of the trauma of the initial injury or something that happened to them around that time that makes them hold on to it. And, and grief is a very typical one of holding on to it. So, yeah, I mean, I've been doing hypnosis probably since, like you, I was 10 when I first hypnotized somebody, but I didn't become a hypnotist till 1999, and those stories are so normal for us to hear, right? And just the fact that you can help it so easily with people who don't, who are afraid of going into hypnosis because I mean this is all about hypnosis and why not to be afraid of it and you know all that kind of stuff but it's also the fact that hypnosis and I tell them you know hypnosis happens every day it's not something that we are doing to you and when they feel safer always more gets done right yeah and there's there's no barrier with this because you're not going to do anything to them. You're not entering their head and you're not doing anything without their permission. You're feeling that between two halves, two aspects of their mind. Uh, and it, by the end of the time I'm with them, it feels perfectly normal to talk about conscious and the unconscious um, because it's just aspects of it. It's not a different bit. It's not a different place. It's just the way that one bit works is it's in command and the other bit just fetches what you ask for. And We're just a negotiator. Absolutely. And, and one of the things I teach people now is that, you see, if some... If, if the unconscious can make you blind and deaf so that you can't see your husband deteriorate, imagine if you asked it for good things. And, and so a few months ago, I asked my unconscious to give me such a, an awesome life that I couldn't even imagine it. And it was a beautiful expression that was probably the best thing I've ever said in my life because it changed my life. It started making things happen. I don't know why or what went on, but my unconscious goes out. It's like a naughty little child. It it goes and fetches things and goes, hey, is this awesome, Stephen? And it gives me it. And I go, yeah, that's awesome. And it goes, oh, what else can I get you? And it rushes off and it finds me all these opportunities. And things I chased before, opportunities where I went, oh, give me a break, give me a break. <laughs> People went, no, you can't be that good, or you wouldn't be chasing me. Um, <laughs> and now I get opportunities like, like wonderful people like you interviewing me. I mean, what's going on? <laughs> well, it's been great and it's been a wonderful show. And I really want to really bring it to people's minds that pain is there for a reason and then it doesn't need to stay there. So that's what Stephen's really telling you. And he can, doing this style of work, we can negotiate with your subconscious or he calls it the unconscious. We just, all terminology and it's all just code words for what we're trying to say. (laughs) And uh, stuff happens. I've seen it. It's great. It's awesome. And I want to, I really want to thank you for being with us and maybe just, maybe just say last important thing before we're... And, what, you know, we'll, we'll put up all your information about websites and how to get a hold of you and all those things. And we'll make sure really? we put everything. Thank you. Well, there's 450 practitioners worldwide, so people can go on there and make a search for who's near to them. And, and a lot of them will do it over Skype. So anywhere you live, you can get pain-free. 
I think that's the big benefit now. Today we have Zoom and Skype and all these things yeah. where you can, before it was not so easy, but now we can do these things right over internet and help people that are, I mean, I was helping somebody in Turkey the other day. It's, you know, it, 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 it just the way it is. Now you can do anything anywhere pretty much. And I really want to thank you for, and I hope to see you in person when I am at the, in the UK convention in November. I will Brilliant. be in, you will not be in Portsmouth. Horsemouth? Yeah. Horsemouth. I'm. Anyway, I'll be there in June. So one of these days we'll connect. And it'll be... I love that. Okay. And, and thank you for this wonderful opportunity to share the word and, and help more people get out of pain because that's all my mission is to help as yeah. many people in the world as possible get out of pain. Thank you, Stephen. And we'll see you soon or I'll be in touch soon anyway. Lovely. Thank you very much. And thank you so much. So we'll go to break and uh, we'll see you soon. We know lasers are in use in almost every aspect of the medical profession these days. Now there's a powerful, unique, and safe laser you can use at home. Quantum scalar wave lasers using Tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best, heal itself. Scalar wave lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The quantum lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Hi, Inez Simpson here. I get a lot of questions about the best way to learn hypnosis. My advice after many years of being a hypnotist and training hypnotists is get your first training live. Get in class with a qualified trainer. Practicing in class gives you so much confidence, and practicing is the key. I teach live hypnosis and advanced hypnosis training throughout the year, and you can check my website at inezsimpson.com, and feel free to email me if you need recommendations. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. You're listening to Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol. To reach the show today, please call into 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Inez. That's I-N-E-S at InezSimpson.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, welcome back to our last segment of Hypnosis Everywhere, and this is Inez Simpson and Martin Gover, and this is usually the section where we give you tools and things, and I think I want to talk a little bit about Old Pain to Go, because I think that's a great, great tool, but it's also, you notice what, what Stephen said, it's what you tell yourself, and I don't know, I've talked about this many times already, is about talking in the negative, it's what we call farzing in the industry, but it's meaning that you say, I don't want this, I don't do this, I don't, and then you keep getting what? It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that is really, ultimately, the biggest thing that keeps people where they are in, in difficulty. 
Any, you agree with that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Oh, okay. I just want to talk on that opening to go because it is an amazing thing. Even if he's speaking with an English accent, it's still <laughs> still an amazing process. <laughs> but for the, the sort of skeptical out there, think about this, that the thing we think with or the thing we perceive the world with, the conscious mind, let's call it, is about 10% of our whole mind. You know when you, you're doing something you think, that's really not me because inside of me there's something that's really good. That's the rest of you and that's about 90% of you. But it, it doesn't come out and do things. It just sits there and, and feeds you information and you we tend to live this world through our conscious mind. So all, what hypnosis and what Stephen's talking about really is why not let the, the better part of you or the, the, more, the more powerful part of you work on you as opposed to just being subservient and sitting there because there is such a thing as as uh, what's it called um, um, a free choice free will free they will. won't do things against your conscious but if your conscious says you know what I'm tired of this can you guys come help me that's really all it is it's yeah. the bigger part of you and you've got to think that the subconscious I'm just trying to stop in as talking that's the subconscious and, and the other parts of your mind it doesn't listen to language the, the bigger part of you doesn't listen to language doesn't listen to science, doesn't listen to, it. it's all emotion. Yep, emotion and attention. And that's the biggest part of you. Except the language will slow it down or mess it up by being negative, that's all. And, and that's really the ultimate is to understand that once you shift your talking to yourself, things will improve. But there's also another part of it. Like Stephen said, it was there, put there for a reason. It's usually about survival. It's usually because you're pushing too hard or doing something and, and you'll get the pain to slow down. But we don't slow down. I, mean, I, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia when I was very young. And I know what it is. It's just you, you keep driving through it. You just keep driving through it and doing more and more. And, you know, when you finally listen, it's because you're flat in your back. So when you understand that and you're still thank you better be thankful it did that for you. Because the thankful and the gratitude for your mind keeping you from uh, dying is important because it is it was there for a reason. You just chose not to listen to it and free will has the has the day. And on that of pushing through, that tends to be I mean, guys have this workaholic thing, but yeah. a, lot of, a lot of times workaholic is just you're hiding from going home. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, women tend to work through stuff. They have yes. a lot of stuff on them. You know, they, maybe they have jobs, got kids, they, got, they feel they have to run the world. So this Super thing awesome. of what's called autoimmune disease, fibromyalgia, chronic pain, is, it's three quarters of those things are with women because they tend to work through it. In other words, the body says, wow, you're, you're pushing yourself, so I'm going to give you some pain or I'm going to give you something to try and slow you down, and you push through. So it says, okay, you're not listening to that? I'll give you something more. And it just keeps doing it because it's trying to slow you down. And that's what all pain to go is to bring that understanding back here. Yes? No? And I think in society in general, it's become more and more prevalent because of us women having to work because in the 50s we had to work but we didn't have to work and work mm-hmm. <laughs> so now we there's just more and more to do all the time and men like he said you do have the certain people that are you know workaholics and they have to keep going and sometimes they get put on their butt too so it isn't just women but women tend to think they have to be everything to everyone and it's sort of been what we've been programmed with 
And if you figure out you're not doing it, you always think you're not good enough. And that's another area that needs to be addressed. So all those things are very important. And old pain to go is one of those ways of doing that. Or, you know, the free self-hypnosis site is there. And we actually, did we do that? We it's already on our put, income Yeah, we put a, radio page. a new health thing on there that you can listen to it, a promotion for self-health. For promoting your health every day. Now, uh, is it like someone could take the pain away from you in a moment? Maybe not, because uh, it can happen. Who knows? But it's a tune-up of your body so you stay healthy. I'm hoping that people will use it before they get ill. And we're funny people. We need high motivation lots of times to do any work on ourselves. So if you're not motivated, you won't do it till you need someone who can teach you with old pain to go or something. Because the whole idea is to promote your own health. And I really always nag you guys about this is becoming responsible for your health, responsible for you and how you feel and address that. Um, anyway, anything else, Mark? Well, let's just, stop just nagging to, them. Just to finish up on that, let's say we all know we've only got so much energy in a day, but we do things for that. We, we, we try to eat right or we do exercise to build up energy, but you only have so much attention span in a day. And I want to start thinking about who are you giving that attention to? It's your attention. You can give it to anybody or anything you want. Who's it going to? Is it just being drifting out there? That's why we talk about self-hypnosis or meditation or mindfulness. Yeah, bring turn them, the news off and go and meditate. Bring them, bring them <laughs> the attention back to yourself, and you'll find all kinds of wonderful things. And uh, we're good. Well, we are good, but that's exactly so. Go to the site and check things out and do what you're going to do. Send us emails, do everything, and we'll see you in the next show. Thank you for being a part of the show today. Be sure to tune in next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition of Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol with host Inez Simpson. We can't wait to have you join us again next week. 